Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. When you know we get lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. When you know we get lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party. I am finally back on the podcast. <laughs> I know it's been a little spotty lately, but thanks for checking in. Thanks for hanging out. I do have a lot of stuff to be talking about uh, in daily tech world and in Apple world. I mean, WWDC is coming up, and that's exciting. There's a ton of stuff to look forward to, I think, with that. So we're going to get into that. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff. But first, let me just say, uh, it's been a little bit crazy around here in terms of just producing content because I'm not yet uh, moved in to the final destination. In fact, we've been house shopping and uh, it's going to take a while. Uh, we found a place, but it is still under construction. And the good news is that means I can do some customization, including to the space that I want to shoot in, which is really cool. Uh, but the bad news is it's going to take a while. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to have a place to set up uh, the Porta Studio and, and get some stuff done. But, you know, it's not the same. Like, here I am doing this uh, podcast, and it was like I couldn't find just the batteries that I needed to run the Zoom H5 to pipe the microphone into to actually record this. And so, you know, I'm just a little scatterbrained right now. And it has affected just with the sale of the old house, finding a new one, trying to get things done in the meantime it has affected, you know, the output. Obviously, I missed a couple of podcasts here, which I hate. Um, but I'm only human, and you know, one person can only do so much. But this is a good life lesson. <laughs> Sometimes, to get to something you're really excited about, you have to go through a period of time where things are a little bit tougher, and that's exactly what's happening right now. The good news is there's a lot of exciting things happening though for daily tech, and this is sort of a little lull, I think, in terms of content production, which is unfortunate because it's in my nature to just want to churn stuff out, but I've only been getting like one or two videos done every week, and so in a couple months when this is all said and done, uh, I'll look back and be like, I'm glad that I went through this period, uh, you know, and I could do some customizing, do some planning, um, and, and make a step in the right direction, the direction I want to take things, but wow, I'm glad that that part was done. That's what I'm going to say. I'm sure you guys have had plenty of similar situations. Can I just say, I, I do like Final Cut Pro. In fact, I love Final Cut Pro. Final Cut is awesome. Definitely my preferred way to edit video stuff. And, and in fact, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I also often edit the podcast in Final Cut just because I'm so familiar with the interface and, and I like to edit at two times speed and I can't really do that in Ferrite. Uh, Pro on the iPad, for instance, and I haven't delved into Logic as much as I would like to yet. It's something I'm going to get to. And then, you know, something like Audacity is just, it's a little too underpowered for what I actually want to do. But Final Cut, it is getting so buggy lately. And we're going to talk about this, I think, later in the podcast because as Apple's preparing to switch, uh, in, you know, to ARM chips away from Intel world, what does that mean for everybody? Uh, because already, you know, some things aren't quite as polished as they could be, and so we're going to get into that. But right now, Final Cut is so glitchy. Sometimes I plug in my camera to offload some footage, and now, like, three out of four times, I have to import it twice because it doesn't grab the footage the first time. You think it is, but then it doesn't, 
and then <laughs> then you disconnect the camera and all the footage goes red because it says it's a missing camera missing footage and didn't actually import and you got to re-import it's a whole pain it takes twice as long and it didn't used to do that and i don't know if that's just a catalina thing and it didn't used to do that and i don't know if that's just the latest version of mac os or final cut or what or if it's my camera it could be my camera shouldn't just rush to blame final cut but but it's had some other issues like it'll just freeze pretty frequently when i'm editing um at least once per edit but usually like it's like three or four times per edit with the video now and it's just like this is pro software you know it should get its act together and you should be able to use it with no bugs and so hmm, I, I do really desperately want final cut in some form to make an appearance on the ipad but at the same time i just want the final cut that i have already on the mac to just work the right way but i did despite all the craziness i did get some content out this week uh, i did publish the apple watch <laughs> apps video which i cheekily called your apple watch thanks me for these incredible new apps but uh that's how i do feel kind of like it's hard to find good new apple watch apps that aren't just fitness and health related which is cool i like the fitness and health aspect of the apple watch and, the, and all those apps that's cool but i also like just the productivity side of things and the other things that you can do and it takes several months like half a year anymore to collect just a handful of apps that are worth mentioning in my mind on the podcast or on Apple hype or on YouTube because they're so few and far between. And even then some people are picky. Like someone commented like, Oh, none of these were must have apps. And I was like, Oh, sheesh. I mean, like these were the ones that I thought were worth talking about, but nonetheless, that was uh, a good video. I was glad to get it out. It's kind of been sitting in the back burner for a while. You guys know I save, I tag stuff when I find it saving in drafts. And, um, I did like these apps for sure. It was a good batch. I will say shooting Apple watch videos, especially about apps. They're some of the hardest videos that I make because you guys don't realize, like I got to hold my arm just in the right place to maintain the focus. Cause I'm doing manual focus, um, with the Noctocron lens and it, you know, where it focuses, it's like, so razor thin. Like if you move, it'll be out of focus and it won't look good. And you want to make it look as good as possible. And my arm literally went numb because I had to hold it in the same place for like 25 or 30 minutes for this one sequence of shots. And that was not fun. And then I remembered, oh yeah, that happened the last Apple Watch video and the last one before that. That just happens when you shoot the Apple Watch. It's painful. So see, that's the kind of thing I go through for you guys. It's kind of weird just from a channel standpoint because I don't know, like a year ago, year and a half or something, the app videos were sort of the most popular thing on the channel at the time. And you could just count on those to, you know, be liked, to get views. People really like them. It seems like lately the iPad content and Apple Watch in particular, one of the Apple Watch app videos, uh, I think it was the first one to break a million. By the way, that's some other channel news. We finally had a video that broke a million views. We have a lot of videos that got close, but this one finally went over. So that was cool. So pat on the back there. And hopefully there's more to come. It's crazy when you look at other channels that are so much bigger. And it's like every video is a million. And it's, it's kind of like, what would that be like? Uh, and so anyways, it was fun. It took a long time. It wasn't like an overnight thing. That's for sure. Uh, it might have taken over a year. And you know what? I'm sure that that one hurt to film too because it was Apple Watch as well. But the other one that I did, it was a Mac tips and trick video. Well, not one trick, 
I said that wrong. Mac tips and tricks. And it was a good one. It's, you know, uh, one of the constraints of filming in the space cinema is like, I can only get a certain amount of shots on this one desk that I have set up because that's kind of my B-roll station. And I feel like some of the videos are all kind of looking the same, which is fine. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I guess you guys are just gonna have to put up with it. And me too, uh, with a little less visual variety. But you know, I did the same thing when I was shooting in my home office recently. Uh, and you can just kind of tell the eras that YouTube channels go through. And this one's gone through a lot. It started in the garage and then finally moved into the basement and then kind of moved up into the home office uh, for a good part of the last year, except for the A-roll, the talking head stuff. That was still shot in the in the basement studio. And now I'm in somebody else's basement, and pretty soon I'm going to be in a custom space. So eras. But I feel like it was a good video. People really, really seem to like this one, even though – I know it's only uh, ranking like 7 out of 10 or 6 out of 10 or something from the last 10 videos um, in the YouTube dashboard. But people are commenting saying that they really liked it. It was one of the best in a long time. And th- that's interesting to me. Like, you know, I cannot predict the videos that people are really going to like, much less the videos that are really going to get a lot of views. But I'm glad people are liking it. So one of the tips, um, I shouldn't give it away in case you haven't seen it yet, but it was uh, just to, you know, do your hot corners. But when you're setting them, to hold down option. And if you hold down option when you're doing the hot corners, then you also have to hold option to activate the hot corners. And I like that because, and somebody said it works with uh, command too. I haven't tested that. But what I like about it is that it then doesn't uh, accidentally activate. If you're, because oftentimes I'm, I'm heading to the dock or something, but the cursor goes into the corner and then psh, my screensaver comes on or something. And that's annoying. And so, anyways, these were just tips that I felt like I had run into. They weren't necessarily new. I kind of explained the video. Everyone runs into these tips at different times, and there's so many. That's why it's kind of weird when you make a video. It's always like, well, these are the tips that I recently ran into that maybe you don't know about either. And from the comments, it sounds like, yeah, a bunch of people also didn't know about these. So it is a good one. You should definitely check it out. Uh, Apple Hype Premium is off to a good start. We kicked it off here on the podcast not long ago, and you guys were the first to know about it. Um, And I'm pretty sure all those coupons are gone now. Uh, to get it for 50% off for life. But you can go back to the last one and see if there's one or two left. I don't know. And you know, when I was putting together uh, the first Apple Hype premium email, I'm calling them issues, I guess. Uh, I was thinking to myself, and I don't think this is just a case of me being the one doing it and being like, good job, Chris. I was like, no, if somebody sent me this and I wasn't the one to put it together, I think I would find it really useful. And I hope that you guys are too. But I'm pretty happy though. Uh, from my perspective of you know, the interactions that I've been getting from people, people are saying like, hey, the feedback is this is cool because it really saves me time. I basically trust you to filter all the Apple ecosystem news for me. And, uh, and you know, it's just people are busy. Like I, that's my whole thing. This is my job and I can barely keep up with all this stuff, you know? So how's a normal person that's just an enthusiast going to be able to keep up and make sure they have the apps and the uh, accessories and the headlines, the knowledge that they need to keep their stuff feeling fresh and fun. So anyways, I I think it's going really well. But if you have any feedback, um, things that we can improve, let me know. A lot of people are like, hey, can you make an app? Um, And yeah, maybe it's something, you know, this move has to be over, you know, before we do that. And it may take hiring somebody dedicated to be in charge of that and really spearhead it and make sure that it's everything that needs to be. Right now, it's just about keeping it really, really simple uh, because we're still a small team. 
But I got to say, you got to start somewhere. And I'm pretty happy with what the, this initial product offering is. But do give me your feedback. You know, this is a podcast. And I'm realizing I don't talk much about the podcast that I listen to on here. I thought maybe I'll talk about two that I've been getting a lot out of lately. And one is That Creative Life by Sarah Dietschy. Uh, and the other is, I believe it's called The Golden Hour Podcast. And I think that's run by Dave Altizer. I think I've got the name right. But basically, they're one of you know the only YouTube-centric, creator-centric podcasts out there. I mean, there's a few others. But these, I really get uh, a lot of the guests because the guests that they have are people that I'm really interested in. And it's been really interesting to hear from other creators uh, as diverse as like Kai Wong, you know, the camera dude you probably would recognize to like Sarah's dad who was talking about investing uh, as a former Fidelity, I think, employee slash Microsoft employee. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, these have been very insightful for all kinds of reasons, but those are two podcasts that I think you should definitely check out if you're looking for some other podcasts and you're into anything creative, much less YouTube. And I do try to talk about some, you know, YouTube businessy almost side of things. Number one on this podcast for like just behind the scenes. Like if you're not a YouTuber, but you're kind of like, well, how does it work? And anyways, how's daily tech? You know, what's going on behind the scenes? So I figure it's kind of interesting for anybody. So I do include some stuff, you know, behind the scenes kind of things every now and then. But also just like people ask me for advice a lot of the time. And so I do try to share from time to time just some little nuggets of wisdom that I've acquired over the last several years here as well. But those are two things you should definitely check into. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the news. And before we get to the Apple stuff, there's two other things I want to hit. Number one, let's talk about SpaceX because I'm I'm just, you know, I'm not a huge SpaceX nerd, but I like space stuff in general. Like I grew up, I did watching Star Trek, uh, but also Star Wars. And I definitely, I think at this point, like Star Wars better than Star Trek, sorry to say, uh, for the Trek fans. But I'm really intrigued by, uh, I guess they just call it Starship, which is one of the SpaceX um, rockets, but they call it Starship. It looks very different uh, than other rockets, and it's supposed to be something that's reusable that can uh, take, I guess, cargo and even people up into space over and over again. And the crazy thing is, it sounds like they're thinking about building one every 72 hours is what it sounds like. One every 72 hours will be rolling off the production lines, if I have that right, which is nuts. Uh, I mean, every 72 hours, this giant, shiny spaceship, because this one really looks more like a spaceship than just a rocket, which is part of why it's so cool. Like, that's not quite a, a car production line volume, but that's a lot of volume for spaceships, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, how many of these are going to be floating around out there after a while? Like, we're, it feels like a total shift in just the way humanity works if we're going to be having new spaceships coming off the line every several days. So, actually, somebody got a hold of, I don't know, a, a memo or an email from Musk, and he was saying uh, to the employees, please consider the top SpaceX priority, apart from anything that could reduce drag and return risk, to be Starship, which is the one we're talking about. And he was also telling the team to, quote, dramatically and immediately accelerate work on the space transportation system. I mean, this sounds cool. Uh, are we going to be able to, in the next 20 years, book a ride to the moon or something? Or maybe this is just going to be for low 
Earth orbit stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm really not that deep into it. Somebody out there that's listening really knows all about it. They're like, Chris, facepalm. But it just sounds like exciting. It looks cool. It sounds exciting. It's the closest thing that we have to like spaceships, you know. And it looks like uh, from the article that I read that in 2021, they're aiming to have an uncrewed starship landing on the moon before they actually take some astronauts there. So it's kind of like a, it would be like a test. And you know how it goes. If you follow anything space related, sometimes the tests don't always go as planned. Sometimes things blow up right on the launch pad <laughs> or the uh, landings don't always work right. But every time something goes wrong, you learn and you figure it out and you make the process better, just like anything. So will it really be 2021? Uh, I don't know, but I mean, they want a lunar optimized version of this thing. Just even talking about this stuff. If you're a space nerd at all, like this is really exciting. So I just had to mention it. If you've never seen a picture of uh, SpaceX's Starship, you should definitely go look it up. I also want to talk a little bit about the PlayStation 5 because why not? Now on the channel, I've talked about Xbox stuff quite a bit over the years. I used to talk about Xbox stuff a lot before we really got way into Apple uh, on the channel, but I've never really been a PlayStation guy. Just I've oh I know you sort of separate into groups of three, like either PlayStation or Xbox or I guess PC. So that's that's three. But I was gonna say the other one was somebody who just buys both because they want all the consoles. And then it feels like the Switch is kind of in its own area, its own league, because it doesn't really seem the same. And that's cool. It's its own thing. But wow, the PS5 came out just the other day and everyone was talking about it in Twitter, in my Twitter timeline. Wow. It's like people talk about, you know, the iPad when it comes out, a new iPad or something, the iPhone. But man, it was like, it was like even crazier than that. The amount of chatter on Twitter about this new design. And what was kind of funny was like some people were like, this looks like a router. And then when they said that, I was like, well, yeah, it kind of does. And if you haven't seen it, uh, the box itself, there's two versions because one still has an optical drive to play off a disc and then one is just all just internet only, which is probably the one that I would get, honestly, at this point. But yeah, there's like a black interior and it sort of has these curving, you know, I don't know, fin-like things wrapped around the black part. It actually, to me, kind of looks like something that Alienware would make. It has that kind of a vibe to it, but it also has that Stormtrooper look that you guys know that I like with the black and the white but also with some light-up lights. It's, it's a nice look. I like the color scheme. The, the remote, the controller, uh, it seems a little bit weird to me. The shape is different. And, uh, you know, maybe I would like it if I tried it. I always liked the Xbox controller. I just did. The way that it looked, the way that it felt. Um, PlayStation controller is fine. And this looks quite a bit different. I guess, in a way, if you look at it, it sort of looks like a skyscraper, like a futuristic skyscraper from the front, like from its thinnest profile. That's probably a good way to, to think of it. The problem is, traditionally, I always liked the Halo franchise, which was an exclusive on the Xbox side of things. I never really got super into the exclusives that were on the PlayStation. You know, like Drake and Uncharted, you know, like, that was cool. I just, I'm less into, as you guys know, the story-driven stuff. I'm more into, like, competitive, although I wouldn't call myself, like, competitive, like I could be a major league gamer or something. But, you know, just like competitive online multiplayer. That's really where it's at for me. So that's kind of cool. And now the question is, like, do I like and do you like the look of the Xbox, the next-gen Xbox, or this PS5? And it's they're starkly different. One is very minimal. One is just a rectangle, like a square just straight up. 
speaking of skyscrapers, and black. And the other, and so Xbox, I guess it it does kind of retain the the design language from previous Xboxes, just in a different shape. Very boxy, rectangular, and then the PlayStation is more sleek. It looks kind of like the PlayStation to me also kind of looks like a sports car. You know, it's like this uh, Lamborghini version, uh, or Lotus maybe, of consoles. There is a Horizon sequel that's coming out, uh, Gran Turismo. There's like a Rocket League exclusive there's a new Spider-Man thing, but it's more like an expansion rather than a standalone thing. And some titles are going to get shared with the PC side of things, like NBA 2K21, which is looking all the more realistic uh, this year. So that's cool. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, would I pull the trigger on this? I probably wouldn't right now because I don't know. I got I got into the Xbox groove, and I don't know that I would say there's a loyalty there, but I guess just a familiarity. And it's like, that runs deep, I guess. But at the end of the day, just just to put a end cap on this, do I like the design because it's very divisive? Yeah, actually, I think I do. I don't have a problem with it. All right, so let's get into WWDC. It's coming up, and the funny thing is uh, on the press side of things because YouTube often gets considered press, or it depends on the event you go to. Sometimes not. It's its own thing. But, you know, at this time of year, everyone's like, well, am I going to get an invite, or did you get an invite, or who got an invite? Well, this year, everybody got an invite, <laughs> you included, because it's totally virtual. So no one's going to be there in person, which is interesting. I wonder if it'll you know, revert to the way that it was before or if they're going to continue like with this. And by the way, before we get into this, I have I didn't see it, but I want to go look it up. In fact, I should do it after this. Snap, uh, which obviously puts out Snapchat, they had an event, and it sounded like it was something like really interesting visually whether i don't even know what the content was but they were saying like it's really it was like an ar vr kind of a experience because in the past and what this is what caught my eye the headline was saying that snap did its own thing and finally quit copying apple for presentation style because everybody at their event really copied the steve jobs template we have something that's like highly scripted really polished you know like facebook microsoft everybody at their launch events you know samsung tried to copy that Steve Jobs Apple Playbook. And of course, you know, Apple kind of outdid everybody by having their own theater, <laughs> underground theater. But yeah, Snap, and I just saw a little tiny clip. It was like they shot everything on a green screen because I don't think anyone was actually there. And just stuff was animating all over the place and it looked really cool. So I don't know. You should go check it out um, just for fun. It sounds like I think I'm going to. But I think expectations are really high for WWDC this year. I know they are for me. Not just because of the leaks, but I think people really look forward to this. You know, it's all, these Apple events for a certain set of people are almost like a Super Bowl level event for them. And I think I kind of fall into that category where I just get really excited. You know, I make an event out of it. I get snacks. and uh, But I also have to do some work for it because I usually end up doing like a reaction video trying to get that out really quickly. But I mean, I enjoy like watching these events. So a couple things that we know, we know that it's going from uh, June 22 now to June 26. So that's Monday through Friday. And since this one's all online, it's not going to be at uh, in San Jose like usual. And a lot of it, since it is a developer conference, is just going to be happening in Apple's developer app. But the public-facing keynote, uh, I'm guessing it's just going to be done out of their headquarters, you know? Now, one of the most interesting things that I think we can expect from, it sounds like, this year is hardware at a WWDC, which is interesting because you don't always get it at WWDC. Predominantly, it's all app-focused. 
But every now and then, you do end up getting a surprise, or maybe not a surprise, hardware announcement, and that's fun. So actually, last year, WWDC 2019, we got a sneak peek at the new Mac Pro. So it's not unprecedented. It does happen. One of the things, probably, I guess, the key thing, and we're going to talk more about this in a second, is uh, Apple expected their expected move from Intel to ARM processors. We're going to get to that. But as part of that, we may end up seeing an unveiling of a new computer that uses those processors. And honestly, you don't know what to expect. If they do have something to show, it could be as simple as just a slide with like a date. You're going to know more in the fall or something like that. Maybe a picture. And honestly, would we get excited about that? Well, yeah. But if they're going to the trouble of talking about it, I would think it's probably more likely to actually talk about it and maybe even demo something there. So that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm hopeful for that. Um, people have been talking about a brand new iMac design. And actually, I'm going to dedicate a whole segment to that in just a second. So we're going to get to it. It's very possible, though, that we could also see Apple's long-awaited, much-anticipated, don't know if anyone actually cares, but they're probably coming, AirTags. I mean, AirTags, they're the kind of thing that's like, it's a nice little add-on. I can't imagine them being a must-have, like I feel like AirPods have become for me. But I'm intrigued, though. I want to see what they are. Tile's already ticked off about it, so they must be worried that it's going to be something really cool that people really want, right? So one thing we know for sure, though, is that software announcements, updates are coming. One of those is sure to be macOS 10.16, and it's going to have some kind of California-inspired name. That much we probably know. And, of course, iOS 14 and iPadOS 14. Plus, I think we could probably expect watchOS 7 and probably tvOS 15. 15? Wow. Out of all of those things, I think I'm probably personally most excited for whatever the iPadOS updates are. Because, like I said, I'm desperately wanting something like Final Cut Pro to make its debut on the iPad Pro. I don't know if that's happening. We already talked about Xcode, you know, potentially coming, uh, which would open up uh, the platform for more serious development. But I would love to see some improved uh, multitasking features on the iPad for sure. And I would really, 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 really love to see some better external display support. Now, Rene Ritchie brought up a really interesting point on Twitter. I saw his thread about this. And he's like, people who want that, that better external display, which is me, what do you want? Like, how do you want it to work? Um, because it's not like on a Mac, you know, on a laptop where things have always been designed apps to be stretchable, you know, to expand or contract to fit. Like they're always like pixel perfect renditions for exact sizes of screens. So how it's not, it's not just like, just stretch it, you know, expand it, which I think a lot of people think, well, why don't they just do that? Well, that's not really how it works with these kind of apps. And that's a good point. So what do you do? Do you, you know, cause right now, it looks terrible. Like I wouldn't want to make a dedicated setup right now with iPadOS hooked up to an external monitor with those black bars on the side. That doesn't look good because the ratio is all funky. So what do you do? Do you just have to split the screen or do you make the developers come up with some other UI components to fill in that blank space? Um, do you just blur it? Do you better utilize multitasking there? I really don't know what, what the official answer is, but I a thousand percent know that I want it though. And I'm guessing with mouse support here, um, the answer probably has something to do with multitasking. Just you're going to have to find a better way to, to divide up that space. Like what if, here's an idea, 
you have uh, an app that shows, you know, I don't know. I, I used to do some design. This is just one idea that I had. You had an app and it shows up in the screen, and but you have some other apps kind of like pushing in from the side waiting to uh, come over. And you can swipe between them or, or activate the different windows. Almost like, uh, you know, the interface when you're looking at pictures on your Mac and you're swiping through. Almost like CD covers. Something like that, you know. And you can still utilize whatever app up there, but it switches through. There is some creative, cool, useful, good way to do this. Um, and I know Apple's probably been thinking about it because I've seen them checking off the boxes. Um, you know, they brought the mouse support. That was something people wanted. They, they brought better multitasking. That was something people wanted. And that just got better with mouse support, uh, with trackpad support, especially slide over. So I'm expecting something to, to come. I really want it. And if it comes, I'm going to be so happy. Of course, I heavily rely on my Mac still too. So I would be delighted if there was some cool announcements beyond just, oh, we added dark mode, you know? It's like, that's nice, but I want something extra cool besides that. And I, it's you can't really complain. Apple, you buy a device and they keep upgrading you for free and supporting you for several years. There's really nothing to complain about at all. Other than, you know, just fix like some bugs, like in Final Cut. One thing, though, that people have been talking about uh, for the Mac that's slated to get updated is messages, because right now it works very differently than it does on iOS or iPadOS. And basically, people are waiting for messages on the Mac to kind of catch up, to get feature parity with the iOS versions. And I think that would be cool. And we've talked a lot on the podcast already about different changes that could come to messages. And if any of that comes to any of the platforms, I'd be really excited, like Mark is on Red, for instance. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know what else could there be. Maybe shortcuts is going to come from iOS to Mac OS and that'd probably be cool. You can already do like, you know, automations, but I don't think it's really a power user thing. A lot of people don't get into that. Shortcuts is a little bit simpler, but even that is hard for, I think a lot of people to wrap their head around. I get requests all the time to do a better shortcuts video for people. I, I touched on it and it was kind of useful and it's been a while now. It was like when it came out, but, uh, that's one thing that people want to see. So I've kind of been waiting to see what's going to happen at WWDC, and then maybe I will do a video on it, whether they, you know, update it or not, because I know people really want that from me. You know, there's been talk about some uh, kids modes coming to the watch, the Apple Watch. Maybe that's something that might debut um, here. So, you know, as a parent, you can kind of track your kids' health or, you know, keep an eye on them and their whereabouts and stuff and give them a way to communicate with you. Maybe that's something that's coming up. And I think the Apple Watch will just continue to see uh, a more of a move to independence. You know, we already got that separate app store so that you don't necessarily have to go through your iPhone now to download apps. And, you know, basically we know that's teeing up, like being able to use an Apple Watch with LTE all on its own without having to tether to an iPhone. So I don't know, maybe we'll see some stuff around that this year. And I'm sure they're going to talk about TVOS. Uh, well, not TVOS, yes, but also Apple TV Plus, which, to be honest, and I talked about this on the Apple Hype newsletter, the premium today, you know, there's a Tom Hanks movie that's coming to um, Apple TV Plus. It's like the first thing I've been like kind of actually a little bit excited about that is going to be on Apple TV Plus. Most of the stuff so far, I tried checking out, uh, a, you know, one or two of the shows. I just I haven't been able to get anything yet. So I'm sure they're going to talk about it, and I'm going to find that probably the most boring out of the whole WWDC experience when they start talking about Apple TV+. Plus. 
But nevertheless, there's going to be some cool stuff, and I think probably, hopefully, there's going to be some actual surprises. Every now and then, even with all the leaking happening, Apple manages to do that, and I, I'm really hopeful that we're going to get that this year too. So uh, this is a, some other interesting news that I just want to expand on a little bit because I also did cover this briefly in the uh, Apple Hype Premium issue that went out today. That was today, actually, yeah. Um, and that is that Apple is said to be debuting a trade-in program that sounds like it's going to start with their Macs. That's an in-person thing. So you can bring your old Mac into the store and do a trade-in there, which I'm actually kind of excited about. It's not like groundbreaking news, but I haven't liked the way that the trade-in program has worked in the past. And I don't want to rant about it too much, but I did try to trade in uh, several Apple Watches, and it was just a clunky process. Apple, it's not actually Apple that you're dealing with when you do it. They have some third party um, when you mail it back in that they work with. And number one, it just took a long time. It wasn't a fast process. And then it takes a while for them to inspect it and make sure that's in the shape that you said it was in and get you the quote and the interface that you can log into to kind of keep track of stuff. That doesn't work real well. doesn't look real good. And I ran into an issue with um, the people running the thing where they just ended up sending one back because uh, I traded in a couple of the review units you know, to, tr- to turn around into a new review unit. And anyways, it was just clunky. Clunky is the way that I'll say it, clunky and slow. So if I could actually take, and if this is the beginning of the process, one of my Apple stu- uh, items in to an Apple store physically, have somebody just tell me right there, a real human being, here's what it's worth, uh, and be able to get that credit right there in the store to make a purchase that same day, that would be really cool. And I guess I, I should just clarify. I mean, you can already do that with, you can trade in like your iPhone your iOS device, I think your iPad. It's just that it's new for the Mac. But that's cool because, you know, that's a big purchase and you want to get credit for that and you want to get it fast. All right, let's talk about a big item, a juicy item I'm excited about, which is the possible redesign of the iMac, which may or may not be coming at WWDC. We don't know. (laughs) And if not, then sometime. But we've been seeing some rumors this week about uh, an iMac that has iPad Pro-inspired design language. What does that mean? Well, number one, it means significantly slimmer bezels. The bezels on the iMac line have been chunky for the longest time. When this particular uh, look of iMac came out, it looked really great at the time. It was cool. But, you know, that chin for sure is pretty wide. It's pretty thick. And from the side, you know... um, it's really tapered. It starts out pretty thin and then it widens out as it goes back necessarily, you know, uh, for, for balance issues and for, to be able to fit all the components. But can you imagine just like a a giant iPad pro, like a 27 inch iPad pro looking thing? Hey, I wish that there was a 27 inch iPad pro, just, just an iPad pro with a touchscreen running iPad OS. That would be cool. Uh, but a 27 inch iPad pro looking screen, attached to a stand like that's kind of what we're talking about and that sounds kind of cool that could really be too good to be true because you know obviously that's pretty thin to be fitting all that horsepower that would need to go into an iMac but it's been almost like eight years since the last iMac redesign which is quite a long time it's definitely time for a refresh outside of the iMac Pro uh, I mean I haven't even contemplated getting an iMac in the longest time because it feels like it's a little bit dated and out of touch for me personally. And I've had a lot of iMacs over the years. I really like the iMac. 
I used to work on the original iMac actually when I got one of my first jobs, which is in marketing. Um, the department had one. They had some Power Macs, and they had one iMac. I think it was the blue one. Um, that was that famous redesign, you know, after Steve Jobs came back and that thing was cool. But anyways, um, I had the chunkier ones that were really thick before, uh, this actual refresh took place around eight years ago. And I've, I've liked them. I, it's a, it's a nice machine. It's a nice experience. The all in one thing, they really took it and ran. And I feel like a lot of other companies have tried to go that route and it just hasn't turned out as well. You know, like an HP all in one, it's just not the same. They sent me one to feature on the channel a while back and it just was, it's not the same. Like the iMac is just so great at what it is, but, and and part of the appeal is the look. I mean, it's, it's big, it's going to sit there. And of course you want it to be powerful enough to to handle whatever you need it to handle. But yeah, you do want it to look good and update. And it's just looking a little long in the tooth right now. And for me, if you did have something that looked like a giant iPad pro, that would be a great look. So I don't know, you know, how true this rumor is or isn't, but I would be excited for this kind of a design. Um, beyond the actual design, though, this particular rumor says that it should uh, supposedly feature AMD Navi graphics, which would be based on AMD's newest architecture, and an Apple T2 security chip, which not everyone would be happy about. But I mean, those certainly seem plausible, possible. One thing that wouldn't surprise me in the least is that uh, the person says there would be no fusion drive, which, yeah, I mean, we should be past fusion drives for sure. SSD only. And if you're paying attention, why not an ARM processor? Why AMD? Well, it'd have to be debuted way ahead of actual shipping. I mean, otherwise it's going to be stuck with Intel because the first ARM powered Mac, that's not supposed to arrive till like 2021. And you don't want it to drop right away because the developers definitely need time to make some adjustments. So I don't know. We'll see what WWDC brings. But if there's if there's a new iMac, whatever it looks like, whether it looks like this or something else, that's just sure to be very exciting. All right. So uh, last thing that we're going to talk about today is what should we expect from this transition to Apple's ARM chips for Macs? Well, somebody I know and trust put it this way. They said for 80% of just normal tasks, for 80% of you know the work that's going to be done, it should be pretty flawless. It shouldn't be too painful of a transition. It should be a pretty good thing right off the bat. But for the other 20%, people who do more niche stuff, the power users really, in other words, there could be more of a headache involved. Emphasis on could, because maybe this will be pulled off really easily, but... Uh, as a video editor, primarily, that does make me a little bit nervous. So let's just assume, let's talk about the timeline first. If Apple does announce this at WWDC, for instance, does that mean you can go out and just buy it right away? Well, no. Like I said, it's going to be like 2021 before this could actually reach you, the consumer. Now, this isn't something that has never happened before. Back in the day, Apple changed their processor architecture in the Mac twice. They went from the 68,000 architecture to the PowerPC, and then went from PowerPC to Intel. Now, the last time that they switched, when they switched to Intel, that announcement happened at WWDC, I think in the summer of 2005. But if you're looking for a blueprint for how this all might go, they didn't announce any new Macs at that time. Instead, what they did was they started selling what was essentially just a, a modified Power Mac G5 that had an Intel processor. And it didn't just go to everybody. You had to be a a registered developer. And then they exclusively 
had um, those made available to them. And the reason is because they got to port their apps. And then it wasn't until, I guess, early 2006 that you ended up getting the chance to buy an Intel-based Mac. And that actually, I think it was the 15-inch MacBook. Oh, and, and the iMac. So if that's the blueprint, potentially, what's going to happen here? Well, it could be very similar, and maybe some developers are going to end up with some modified versions of existing hardware before new, fully new hardware comes out with these chips. So the real question, though, for you and for me is how is it going to affect Mac OS and the apps that we all run and rely on? And it's funny, I think Jabs said something about, uh, you know, Macs have been living a secret double life within Apple when they were making the switch, preparing to make the switch to Intel, because at the time they were making everything uh, in a way that would run not only on PowerPC, but also on Intel. So they were trying to be as prepared as possible. And maybe they're going to have a very similar announcement or statement at WWDC. And, you know, not to get super technical for all the people that don't care, but there was like some software emulation going on to help, you know, ease the transition for some of the apps that hadn't been rewritten yet to take advantage of the new architecture. So does that mean we're going to get a whole new operating system? Well, probably not right now. It would have to be later in terms of just after the hardware transition is completely done. But it's very possible that maybe uh, 10.17 or 10.18 versions of macOS will maybe only support those new Apple chips with the ARM processors. Very possible. So really, if you you project forward, it could be like 2023, 2024, when something like that becomes the case. And now the moaning and groaning may start. (laughs) Because I know personally, I just recently purchased a brand new 16-inch MacBook Pro. And it's like, well, dang, by 2023, maybe I'm not ready yet to get rid of it. Although maybe I will be, but we'll see. But but your mind is already racing. Like, oh, man, is this going to be a pain? And the honest answer is it, it may be somewhere between a mild pain in the butt for you or a major headache. Because maybe right now you're trying to do the math and be like, well, should I buy something right now or do I need to wait and see what this is all about? I mean, you definitely should wait at this point just to at least see what's coming up at WWDC. But I feel the pain, though, you know, as a business owner, it's like, well, what should I do for my equipment? Uh, You could be asking, like, well, why do this in the first place? It comes down to, like, performance gains and stuff. So these chips, the A-series chips, these are the same chips. And this may surprise you if you haven't been following this that you will find in your iPhone, you know. And Apple works really hard behind the scenes to make sure that their own chips work really well with their own software. I mean, you know, it's things like audio, video, encoders and decoders, CPU, GPU stuff, the stuff that makes everything work together really well. Apple can really optimize that. You know, they're really uh, pouring the effort and money into their machine learning. And there's a lot of investment being made into hardware-based encryption and and security. And some of that stuff, it does end up on your Mac uh, by way of the T2 chip and woe to you if your t2 breaks down (laughs) because everything actually runs through that chip but that's a different story but that's a separate thing i mean realistically will will the new macs that support these chips um be drastically better i'm guessing so in some ways i'm guessing we'll see some major improvements again in some ways for me it's just a question of will my workflow break or get you know, crummy at some point. 
So the diehard Apple people is what I'm saying. They're going to stick around through the transition. And I think at the end of the day, it will absolutely be worth it. Are there going to be a couple of years with a little bit of uncertainty? We see how things go. Um, well, sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm confident that this is going to be a great move eventually. That's my perspective. Well, anyways, uh, thanks for hanging out today. Don't forget to check out applehype.com. You can check out the premium, sign up for the trial, uh, 30 days free, get like four issues, um, check it out, see what it's about. And yeah, I'll catch you guys in the next video. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. So 12 are giving you the heat The reviews from Chris you gotta see Daily Tech got the facts that you need And it's a whole crew you gotta meet After party it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality you should take it from me Cause we care about our customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the mountains Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it yeah. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe Well you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine Talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got that vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.